Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Christ Church Medicine, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. Um, I heard an amazing story one time about a guy who was scuba diving. And he was down underwater swimming through this beautiful reef, and he was looking at all these beautiful fish, when all of a sudden he felt something ram him in the back, which doesn't happen often while you're scuba diving. And he turned around to see a dolphin who was then charging him again and then rammed him in the chest and pushed him back up against this reef. And as you can imagine, the guy was terrified, and he tried to get away from this dolphin, but the dolphin kept on attacking him and basically ramming him in the chest and hemming him into this reef until eventually the dolphin kind of gave up and then left and the guy swam back up uh, to the boat that he was on. Guy collapses on the deck, you know, is like, (laughs) I'm alive, takes off his goggles, is ready to tell this amazing story to the other people on the boat, but then sees that they all have white faces as well. And that's when he learns that there was this massive shark that was creeping right around where he was swimming, and the the dolphin was basically protecting him from the shark, which is insane. So the dolphin wasn't being mean. I don't know dolphin-shark relationships, uh, but for some reason, the dolphin had hemmed this guy in away from the shark. That's an insane story, but my favorite part about the story actually is what happened next which is as they're all, you know, slapping each other on the back and being like, wow, that was crazy, we're all alive, they noticed the scuba guide, the captain of the boat, was stripping down to his wetsuit. And they're like, wait, what? What are you doing? (laughs) You know, what's going on? And he said, I have to jump in the water right now, and I have to swim back to the shore. Because if I don't, I will never come out here again. The fear will be too great. I don't know if the guide... Uh, just knew this shark wasn't the like man-eating type Jaws shark, um, or if he was just crazy. But at that moment, there was a tension in the guide's heart and in his job and his vocation between him and the shark and the ocean. And the battle was, who owns the ocean? On the one hand, is it the shark and really the fear of the shark that is about to take control of this part of the ocean, if you will, or is the man going to be able to overcome his fear and continue to think that I can scuba freely in this area? So the guy gets in his wetsuit, and he dives in the water, and he swims back to the shore, and to my knowledge, is still scuba diving to this day. Crazy story. Jesus begins his ministry by swimming with the shark. This is what is happening in Mark 1, verses 12 to 13. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. After his baptism in Mark 1, this is the first thing the Spirit drives, compels Jesus to do. Before he preaches and teaches, before he heals, before he casts out demons, all the stuff we talked about in Epiphany comes after this. Before he turns his face to Jerusalem to die and rise again, this is the first thing he does. He's sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. 
And this is no lovely, contemplative, silent retreat like we have often taken uh, in the season of Lent. He's not going to Palm Springs, you know, it's not a really beautiful place. There's no orderly monastic bedroom and like a beautiful chapel outside. No, in the biblical imagination, the wilderness is a spooky, harsh place. This is the Wild West. This is the lunatic fringe of the world. It's outside of law and order. We only get two verses in Mark, but in Mark, there's enough to terrify you, just in two verses. This is the territory of wild, untamed beasts and the devil. Um, Often in Western art, you'll see Jesus depicted in the wilderness because he's with the wild animals where like squirrels and deer, it's like a Disney movie. They're like, you know, keeping him company and like a leopard's like, you know, nudging up to his palm and everything. It's not a St. Francis moment. This word here for animals is more like beasts and they are the untamed animals that roam around the wilderness in uncontrolled places. So you should think less St. Francis in this moment and more you out alone in the wilderness at night and you hear the howls of wolves or the roars of lions. That is what's happening here. But wolves and lions weren't his biggest problem. He had come to face the devil himself. He went out into the wilderness. The Spirit drove him to do this. Why? Why is this the very first thing that comes in his ministry after his baptism? The reason is, before he began his ministry, it was necessary for him to face his greatest temptations and to overcome the evil one. Like the captain, before he did anything else, right then and there, he had to dive in with the shark. Up to this point, Jesus had lived 30 years of life. He'd grown in wisdom and stature. Jesus had soaked himself in the word of God his entire life. He had walked with the spirit of God his entire life, and it was time. When Jesus did ministry, he wasn't going to minister around evil. He wasn't going to suppress his temptations. He wasn't going to ignore them. He wasn't even going to let the devil have the wilderness. Rather, he faces all of them head on. He rides the waves of the Holy Spirit right into the lunatic fringe. He looks Satan in the face. He swims with the shark. Now, what was the shark for Jesus? What was the fear and temptation um, that he had gone to face? If you look at your gospel, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open up to Mark 1. Um, If you don't have your Bible and you're here, you can open up to your bulletin page. Um, Matthew and Luke, two different types of Gospels, actually expand this scene, and we do get temptations in those books. But Mark does not go into it. And I actually want to retain that simplicity and that mystery here. Mark doesn't tell us. All we know is he went to face the devil and his temptations. And I like the space that that gives us as we approach this passage. Whatever Jesus was doing, it was unique to him. Unique vulnerabilities, unique fears that he was facing. Now, what was the result of him going into the wilderness and diving in with the shark? What happened? Well, if you will, Jesus took back the ocean by doing this. He overcame the evil one. He resisted his temptations, and he changed the world forever. 
Jesus would continue to fight evil, obviously. Jesus would continue to fight temptations. We see that on the, the night before his death. And yet, because of this moment, of this overcoming of the evil one, right at the beginning, Jesus has this remarkable freedom throughout the rest of his ministry. There's never a question about who's in charge. Um, the strong man of evil that Jesus would talk about later in the Gospels is bound here. And Jesus would basically spend the next three years of his life plundering the evil one's house until he would just trample him under his feet by his death and resurrection. So the big idea I want you to see is Jesus' power and ministry and victory flow from this moment. They don't lead up to this moment. This comes at the start, not at the end. And this is the pattern that we see in Jesus' life. Jesus begins by diving in with the shark. And as we read the Bible, we see that this is actually a common God pattern. It's not just something that Jesus does. When God liberated his people Israel from Egypt, whom, by the way, he described as his child, they were born out of the baptismal waters of the Red Sea, and what what does Israel do first in their story? After they come through the Red Sea, they spend 40 years in the wilderness. And that's meant to be connected. God had revealed himself to Israel as a liberator, but God knew that they had sharks to face. He sent them into a period of testing to reveal what was in their hearts and to reveal himself to them in that place. We even see this in the life of St. Paul in the New Testament. Uh, The Apostle Paul has this amazing conversion on the road to Damascus, and then what does he do at first? God literally takes him to the Arabian desert for three years. Paul had some things to face. He had a lot to learn before his apostolic ministry began. And you know where I'm going with this. As it was for Jesus, as it was for Israel, as it was for the apostles, so it is for us. When you follow Jesus, at some point, he's going to ask you to swim with sharks. The Holy Spirit is going to drive you into the wilderness to face your temptations, to reckon with your fears, and to overcome the evil one. To overcome the evil one. We know the Bible thinks of this and talks about this as something that all of us are called to because the book of 1 John actually presents this as a stage of spiritual development. It's really interesting. In 1 John chapter 2, you can read this later on this week, it's an amazing chapter. John talks about children and young men in the faith and then fathers in the faith, almost like there's three stages of spiritual growth. Children, he says, know their sins are forgiven, but young men, he says, have the word abiding in them and have overcome the evil one. So it's almost like we all begin as spiritual infants in Jesus, knowing that we are saved, having met the Lord. That was Israel coming out of the Exodus, right? Wow, they'd met the God of Israel. And yet, there's a way that we can still live being bossed around by whatever shark is in the water. And so there's this pivotal stage in spiritual growth, almost like an adolescence, if you will, where there's a direct facing of our temptations and our fears, and there is an overcoming. I love that the Holy Spirit drives 
us into the wilderness in these moments and drives Jesus into the wilderness because often we'd rather not do that. Um, We'd rather stay in the boat. We think, you know what? Scuba diving wasn't really my thing anyways. Gonna find a new hobby. Shark is totally fine in the water. I don't even like the ocean. I'll just, you know, become a mountain guy from now on. But maybe to think about it in your life, it's like, you know what? I'll just find new relationships. I'll just move to a new city. This is just my life. I'm just going to resign myself that I just live in bondage, and that's the way it is for me. That temptation, that, that pain, that shark, it's just too, too much for me. I'm not going to face it. And yet, God drives us to face it. Not because he's cruel, but because he wants to take back the ocean in your life. Jesus' salvation isn't just about forgiveness and eternal life, even though it certainly is. It's also about us not having to live being bossed around. And also, when the Spirit drives you into the wilderness, he's not just thinking about you. He's thinking about everybody else in your life and everybody else who's going to come after you. I was reading a memoir this week about a man who grew up with an alcoholic father, and he says this, alcoholism isn't a spectator sport. Eventually, the whole family gets to play. Our temptations and fears affect those around us. And if that's true in the negative sense, how much more true is it in the positive sense? Anytime you grow in freedom and love, anytime you overcome the evil one, it has a direct effect on those around you and those who come after you. Jesus went into the wilderness, and like I said before, literally changed the world. And when we do the same, In a way, in Jesus, the world has changed too every time there's an overcoming. So the Spirit drives you into the wilderness, you get into your wetsuit, you dive in the water, you face the shark. Lent, brothers and sisters, some of you have been in Anglican churches for a while or churches that practice Lent. Our tradition is not the only one that does that. It's a Christian thing, not a denominational thing. But Lent is shark swimming season. It's like five weeks of shark week at Christ Church. This is my big idea that I want you to take away from this morning. We have an opportunity to let go and to kind of let the current of the Holy Spirit drive you to face your greatest temptations and fears and shadows. We don't do this all year. Thank the Lord. All Christianity is not introspection, okay? Uh, The majority of our church calendar is literally called ordinary time, which is awesome. It's just like, this is just ordinary. It's great. Jesus didn't spend his whole life in the desert, but he did spend 40 days. Israel's entire history was not spent in the wilderness, but 40 years were. And this is the gift of the church calendar and of Lent. We've got 40 days to swim with sharks we may have been avoiding. That's a gift, brothers and sisters, to walk with Jesus into the desert. And I feel strongly that there's something unique about this Lent this year for our church community. Um, First of all, this is the Lent that's following 2020, okay? So Lent is usually a time of kind of like passing out in the Lord and like coming to terms with Jesus and all these things, preparing for Easter, and whoo, We've got a lot to pass out from and get ready for. Amen? There's been a lot of sharks that have gotten in the water in the past year. Our bishop, Stuart, 
has called all of our churches together to a Lent together for this very reason, to heal from the past year, to reckon with ways that we have not been Christ-like in the past year. And all of this is because we want to be ready for this harvest of ministry that's coming, um, but we, we want to get right with God first. We want to heal first. But I also think just even beyond just our diocese in 2020, there's really something unique for our church right now in our church community. Personally, I feel like God has been setting up bowling pins in my life um, to have me address some fears and some false scripts and some temptations that I had been carrying for a long time that I didn't even know I had not reckoned with. I didn't even know they were there. But I feel the wind at my back, if the, the metaphor makes sense now with this passage. I feel God driving me into it in a really beautiful way, not to burden me or shame me, but to liberate me, to free me. And I'm not the only one who feels this. I was talking with a member of our congregation this past week, and she said she feels like God has this divine conspiracy to make her grow. It's like God has some secret plan to make me grow, you know? I think that's true of our church. I know so many of you are in such need of the Lord right now. So many of us have such great needs. So many of us, I feel, are hungry for the Lord right now. There's kind of a desperation, like I, I actually need God to be God. I need this to not just be like going through the motions religion. I need this to be fire. But Jesus says, blessed are the hungry for they shall be what? Filled. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I think we have a poverty of spirit moment happening for us right now, which is really beautiful. God is doing something, and it begins in our wilderness. I want to give you two practical ways to apply this, this Lent, two tangible ways that you can swim with sharks as we have five weeks of Shark Week. Um, the first is fasting from our temptations, and the second is facing our shadows. Number one, fasting from our temptations. Number two, facing our shadows. First, we take, the, we take back the ocean when we fast from temptations. When Jesus faced his temptations, he fasted, and there's a connection there. Um, there are many, many different reasons to practice the spiritual discipline of fasting, many beautiful reasons. But one great reason is that fasting allows us to fight back against those things that are beginning to boss us around. We face them by fasting from them. And in so doing, we take back the upper hand. Because you see, like the shark in that story, in our life, sometimes habits or things or relationships can become our master. They can take charge of us instead of us being in charge of them. Paul talks a lot about this in the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, in chapter 6, he says that even though we're not under law anymore and everything is permissible, he says, I will not be mastered by anything. And then later he talks about in chapter 9 how he wrestles with his body. Uh, he literally uses like a boxing metaphor with his own appetites and desires so that they are bound to Jesus, that they're like slaves of Jesus and him instead of him being a slave to his appetites and his desires. So brothers and sisters, what is bossing you around? 
It's one of our questions for this morning. Where in your life do you feel like something is starting to take up more and more space so that it perhaps is controlling you more than you are controlling it? Could be screens, social media, Netflix, pornography. Could be alcohol or drugs or food of any kind. Could be a relationship that's become codependent or unhealthy. Could be buying things. Could be looking at things that you want to buy but you can't afford but you look at them all the time anyways. Could be anything. But whatever it is, if you feel it start to boss you around, that's a shark. Don't avoid it. Don't rationalize its presence in your life. Don't allow it to own the ocean. In a way that makes sense between you and the Lord, fast from it. Take back the ocean. Some things are, are just wrong and need to be done away with completely. But fasting doesn't mean you're taking a vow for the rest of your life with certain things. It's giving something up for a period of time to practice self-control and to be able to know that I can say no to this. I'm in charge of this. I'm not mastered by it. This is the example Jesus himself, our Lord, gives us, and it is our joy to follow in his footsteps. The second way we swim with sharks is by facing our shadows. Um, the leadership at Christ Church has been reading through this book called Emotional Healthy Leadership by a guy named Pete Scazzaro, I think is how you say his name, which is, you guessed it, about learning how to be an emotionally healthy leader. It's about emotional health. It's been really good. Um, and the very first thing the author addresses, the very first chapter, is called Facing Your Shadow. It's almost like his book begins, like the Gospels begin, with a facing moment, heading right into the, to face your fears. Now, Shadow can be kind of vague. In the book, a shadow is defined loosely as the largely hidden, untamed emotions or wounds or fears that we carry that deeply influence our life. And I think the two important words there, uh, if that still sounds vague, is largely hidden and untamed. So they're largely hidden, not often talked about, maybe never talked about, and untamed. They kind of roam freely. Could be relational issues, your marriage, friendships, family. Could be a sadness or a grief or a fear that you're carrying. Could be a, a current cycle of emotional unhealth you don't even fully understand at the time. And the idea is that just as a temptation or a vice can become a master in your life, so a shadow, if left unaddressed, can start to boss you around takes over the ocean like a shark. It steals your joy. It steals your freedom. And just as the Holy Spirit drives us sometimes to face certain temptations, so the Spirit drives us sometimes to face our shadows. Not because he's cruel. Not because he's cruel, but because he wants to liberate you. He wants to take back the ocean. Now listen, we all have a lot that we carry around. Um, I'm not saying that this Lent, we're all gonna be like, all right, everybody vomit all the worst part about your life on three. One, two, three, go. That would be way too intense. 
Sanctification is a lifetime process. But maybe, maybe there is one thing that God is driving you to face right now. Maybe there's something that you feel, even before this morning, even before I started talking, that the Holy Spirit has been behind your back, maybe driving you to confront. We've got five weeks. Why not now? Why not ask the Holy Spirit, if that's not something that you already know as I'm talking, ah, yeah, this is what I need to face. Why not ask the Holy Spirit to make it specific? What if you found some time this week in prayer, went in your prayer closet, it was quiet, nobody can find you there. You opened up before, your heart up before the Lord, knowing he loves you fully and completely, and just asked, God, is there something that I could fast from to more fully participate in your abundant life? See what he says. God, is there a shadow that you would have me face in order to walk in greater freedom? Is there something that you want me to to zone in on in my life? Then let the Lord search your heart. Like the psalm says, search me and know me. Ask him to do that. Then share it with somebody in the church. Invite somebody into it. Hey, I'm trying to, to fast from this. Can you hold me accountable? This is something really hard that I'm working through. Would you just walk through this with me? That's what the church is for. But I want to finish with the gospel. Because if we're not careful, wading into these waters can feel overwhelming. And I don't know if I'm talking, you just feel like this massive burden coming on you. If we're not careful, this can, this can end up being just a massive legalism party, which are the worst kinds of parties. Have you ever been to one of those? Um, oh my gosh, I have to just do all this now? Or it can just end up feeling like another TED Talk about shame or wholeness or self-growth or whatever. So what's the difference between the Bible's understanding of overcoming and whatever you might read in Magnolia Journal or Oprah or whatever? Not any knock on Magnolia Journal and, and Oprah. Here's the gospel. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, faced their temptations and lost. And you and I follow in their path whenever we go into that that world. We face the serpent, we face the devil, and we lose. They got eaten by the shark fully. And the shark has ruled the ocean ever since. To be human is to be bossed around by sin and the shadows caused by sin. The ocean is littered with the bones of those who have tried to face the shark and take it back. I haven't faced the shark successfully, neither have you. Amen. It's Lent. That's why we confess our sins at the beginning of the service. Until Jesus came. The wilderness narrative is a direct parallel opposite of the Garden of Eden. The wild animals in this story are meant to be a parallel opposite of the Eden story because there's animals with Adam and Eve, but they're tamed and lovely. But Jesus is in a desert. He's not in a garden. He's with wild beasts, not with all the beautiful tamed animals of Genesis 1 and 2. And where everyone else failed, Jesus succeeded. Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we were, yet was without sin. 
He looked the devil in the face and Jesus overcame. By his cross and his resurrection, he essentially dives into the water, swims at the shark, and rips the shark in half. Hallelujah. So listen, we have confidence to dive in the water. This is important. Everything else we've talked about will be crushing if we don't hear this. We have confidence to dive in the water because Jesus has already taken back the ocean. Amen? We can have confidence to face our shadow because Jesus already has. That's what the cross is about. Your worst fear, Jesus has faced. Your worst sin, your cycle of getting owned again and again is why Jesus died. So it's forgiven. Your greatest temptation, Jesus has overcome. As Christians, we do not face our temptations or shadows by ourselves ever. Lent is not, now by yourself, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and go sort your life out. We are never blown by the Spirit into the wilderness on our own. We are always going into the wilderness after Jesus has already made it safe. We do not go into the wilderness, into that moment behind Adam and Eve. We go behind Jesus. We always overcome in the light of Jesus' overcoming. So you have nothing to fear, literally. The only thing you have to fear and the only thing you have to lose is two things. First, the impression or your facade that you're sinless. You got to get over that. I'm sorry. You're not. Or number two, that you don't have any shadows. And that's why church is messy, because Christians are people who are admitting that we have need, that we need forgiveness. But Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Praise God. And if you're here this morning or if you're watching and you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, and you long to not be bossed around anymore. You hear this talk about overcoming and you're just like, I want that so bad. Your first step is meeting the one who has overcome. I would love to talk to you. Anybody in our church would love to talk to you about how you can know Jesus and just pray to him, I am in need I want help. I'm tired of being bossed around in my life by sins and shadows. I want forgiveness and I want victory in Jesus that he accomplished for me on the cross. We are all here on that journey. Amen? So this is our posture as we go into Lent. It's shark swimming season. Fast from your temptations. This is a time, an opportunity to face our shadows. We're going to do this as a body and we're going to continue this conversation over the next four weeks. It's not going to stop today. And it's going to lead us to an empty tomb. So I'll just finish by praying this. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.